Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm here with John Burnett. John is the application specialist for Fluke. John, how's it going? I'm doing real good. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. I mean, we had snow this morning, so I'm not too stoked about that. But other than that, we're firing on all cylinders. Good, good. Perfect. So, John, you were up in Montreal last week. Do you want to? How, how was that? Um, it was very good. It was very good. It was a it was a good flight, uneventful there, and uh, had a great uh, three days uh, in Montreal while working with our. Uh, uh, fluke uh, team out in uh, the, the Quebec area and uh, all of Canada. We all met together and had some meetings. So it was a uh, it was a good get together. Went out and had some uh, good dinners together and uh, fun time. So hopefully you got some smoked meat or at least poutine. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, actually, we had some uh, excellent food. <laughs> it's kind of funny. One was uh, a burger joint, but it was very high end gourmet burgers and uh, a high end pizza place. So it was uh, it was good food. So yep. It was great. <laughs> yeah, Montreal is a great, great food city. So for everyone listening, just so you guys know, this this episode is sponsored by Fluke. And we're going to really talk about today is vi- wireless vibration monitoring sensors and how we can use them as a condition monitoring technology. And if you want to learn more about that stuff, you can either reach out to myself or John on LinkedIn or go to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash fluke. I will have that link in the podcast notes. So if you guys are interested on that, go to there and see all the different fluke products. John, can you just give us a background on uh, what you do for fluke and, and how long and what kind of stuff you've done in the reliability industry? Sure, sure. So I've been with Fluke for a little over seven years now. And uh, with Fluke, I'm the uh, application specialist for Fluke's mechanical products, which is the uh, uh, vibration uh, analysis, reliability, laser shaft alignment. Uh, I started off uh, well over 30 years ago, back in the early 80s, uh, where I was in the U.S. Navy for 12 years uh, as an electrician, where I operated and maintained nuclear power plants for the Navy. And I uh, 
learned uh, all about vibration analysis and reliability um, when I was on uh, aircraft carrier. And uh, that's when we were monitoring about 500 pieces of rotating machinery on the, uh, that kept the, the aircraft carrier up and going. And that uh, maintenance uh, uh, of that, uh, those rotating machinery. And then from then I went to work for uh, a vibration analysis consulting company for uh, 18 years that uh, provided uh, vibration monitoring for the U.S. Navy and worked uh, with uh, hundreds of different customers uh, around the world and in the U.S. and Canada to uh, uh, to uh, start up reliability programs. So yeah, been doing it for a while. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And so one thing, like we're, we're here kind of today to talk about vibration and, you know, most people listening, we're going to have a little bit of familiarity with vibration in a sense that it's one of the key predictive maintenance or condition-based maintenance technologies that are out there. But do you want to give us a little background on, you know, what vibration is, what kind of failures it detects and why we should be using it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, most people um, would use uh, vibration analysis as kind of, uh, even though there's five different uh, technologies that people often use, uh, vibration analysis, thermography, uh, oil analysis, motor circuit testing, and ultrasound, the vibration analysis is kind of the uh, where people start because it's a, a very good diagnostic tools for finding the main mechanical faults with rotating machinery. So if you think about it, uh, over the years, uh, I've been uh, uh, working with uh, rotating machinery. The, the biggest faults are imbalance, misalignment, uh, looseness, and bearings. And so those four faults are one of the, uh, the, the prime things that we will uh, um, monitor and diagnose and, and be able to trend. And, and uh, even though vibration analysis can be used for hundreds or even thousands of different faults, those are kind of the, what we call the big four. Those are the ones that are the most common problems. And, uh, you know, our idea has always been, uh, let's find the most common problems and get them knocked out of the way because then everything else is, uh, is, is a lot easier. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that if we look at condition monitoring as a whole, if we can knock off the basics, like the, the stuff that's a little more exotic, we can deal with those when they come up. That's right. And they're also often very, very rare because if you think about it, I've been doing this for over 30 years and I can, uh, I well, as I've been looking at uh, uh, reports and, and uh, data over the years, uh, every single day I'm running into imbalance, misalignment, bearings, and looseness, but I can count on a couple of hands a number of times that I've seen anything else. And so let's not spend all our time looking for things that we're never going to find. Let's try to knock out the most common things. Absolutely. And, and for people who've listened to the pod before, we've talked about this concept um, definitely with Joe Anderson, definitely with Bob Latino is just the things that happen every day, even if they're small things, they add up over time. And it's stuff that we need to be better at doing. 
Well, that's right. And if you think about it, I mean, if you make it as simple as, uh, you know, um, think about your car, you know, when you go outside to start up your car in the morning, it doesn't start up. Um, you know, you're not going to tear down the engine and check the fuel injectors. You're going to look for the most common things. You're going to look, you know, for at gas, you're going to look at battery. You're going to look at maybe the, uh, air filters, but, uh, so it's the same thing with rotating machinery and condition-based maintenance. Let's look at the things that are going to bring us down because we all have, uh, less and less time and more and more demands on what we're doing. We just don't have the, we have to keep a plant running. We don't have time to be spending uh, all of our time, uh, you know, looking for things that aren't going to exist. Yeah, absolutely. And and on that note about having less time, something, you know, like we're here, we're going to talk about vibration sensors. And one of the things that I like personally about the sensors is we don't have to now send out our vibration specialist or somebody to the machine to take the readings. So do you want to just give us a little background on like the sensor? How, how do we get it running? Like how do we get it onto our equipment and how, like, does it need Wi-Fi? Like how does that whole process look work? Yeah, that's, that's a, a, a excellent question. Cause you're right. Over the years, the, the biggest heartache, the biggest problem to getting a uh, vibration monitoring, condition monitoring type program going has always been the labor. It's always been the, you know, everybody loves the idea of knowing the condition of the machines. The problem is that you, you have to send somebody out to go collect the data. And that's the heartache because, um, you know, all of us are, uh, all of the maintenance people are already a hundred percent busy with, uh, with doing PMs and troubleshooting. Nobody has the time to go out and start monitoring machines. And so by the use of wireless, uh, remote sensors, um, it knocks one of those big hurdles out of the way. So, instead of having to walk around and, and collect the data like you would with a portable walk-around data collector, these wireless sensors um, are mounted uh, directly on the bearing of your machine. And so, you know, just think of it as a small, portable, lightweight vibration tool that we can now mount directly on the bearing of a machine. And so without having to go around and collect data, it's continuously taking vibration data, sending that data um, wirelessly through Wi-Fi up to our cloud-based internet so nobody has to walk out to the machines, which is always a good thing because we don't have the time to do it. And quite often, our machines uh, are in places that uh, sometimes it's hard to get to and we have safety issues. For example, it may be uh, high up off the ground and somebody's got to get a ladder and now they're going to fall and get hurt. Or it could be uh, uh, in an area where there's some uh, steam or heat or temperature and uh, or it's behind a panel that we can't get to. And so one of the biggest obstacles I've seen for the past 30 years of I've been out there has been how do you get data from your machine is expensive and sometimes very hard to do. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I see it like I do a lot of oil analysis audits where we're looking at sample locations um, to take oil samples. And the, I can remember countless times where either you're, the guy has to climb up on a ladder or it's an agitator. So he has to like lock out, tag out the equipment to take a sample. 
and it's it's just a big hassle and not only that it, you know it's it's really it changes the readings each time because you know they either have to schedule it around operations or you know maybe they're not looking at trying to do it properly that's right that's right and so um you know having to shut down a machine uh so that you can get in and take your uh take your measurements is always a problem crawling up on a machine there could be safety issues getting and and nowadays more and more machines um, are being put behind um, safety p panels or putting behind uh, uh, panels that we can't get to. And so all of those pose a, um, a hurdle to getting the data. And uh, the other thing is just the time, you know, we just don't have enough, nobody has enough time. And so um, being able to take that time uh, factor out of uh, the equation, because we would all love to be able to uh, get the information from the machine, but uh, sometimes getting that data can be a challenge. Yeah, and we start to see this more and more with, you know, the industrial internet of things. Um, it's just like sensors and we're trying to collect all these different datas and process them. So if we go back to kind of RCM fundamentals, when we're deciding whether or not to do a an inspection, quote unquote, whether that's vibration, oil analysis, motor current, ultrasound, whatever, we really are looking at the cost of doing that inspection versus the kind of the cost of that failure. And as we progress, you know, these sensors are getting cheaper and the cost of inspection goes way down. With this wireless vibration kind of monitoring, what kind of cost are we looking at for, you know, for to install one of these sensors in a plant? That's a, a very good point. So uh, there's a couple of things that we want to uh, kind of discuss here. And one is what kind of data are we or what kind of information do we want to get? And so the the there's there's different types of vibration sensors that are going to affect the cost going to affect the uh, the uh, um, you know how hard it is to mount them. Um, uh, so, for example, uh, for years um, the cost has always been so high that the only vibration re wireless remote sensors that we've been using have been the very high end sensors, and so that the only places that it was cost effective would be on the very critical, maybe the tier one, you know, production critical machines. And so these were really high end sensors. And so you would only put a few of them in your plant because they were so expensive. So these new sensors that we're talking about now are um, really more for, they're more, they're a little bit more basic. And so because they're more basic and they are really more for screening. And because if you think about it, before we want to call in um, the, 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 uh, um, the, the heart surgeon, um, we want to call in the general practice doctor. And before we call in the general practice doctor, we want to call in the nurse. So if you think about it, if we want to screen out the first, the first step of finding the health of, of machines isn't going to bring come in for the for the really high end expensive 
machine because there's only a few of those. And I know that's the machine everybody wants to focus on, but there are hundreds or thousands of machines in the plant that we're ignoring. And those are the ones that are driving the maintenance people crazy. It, I mean, when I was on a, you know, on the aircraft carrier, it wasn't the main turbine that was, that was the heartache because we all had the turbine covered. We had plenty of people and plenty of technology for the turbine. It was the hundreds of simple motors and pumps and fans and compressors and blowers that kept failing that was driving us crazy. So that's why these sensors that we're looking at now are screening sensors, and they're really meant to to screen out is the machine good or bad? Because if eighty machine, if eighty percent of the machines are healthy, it sure would be nice to know which machines are healthy because we can ignore it. And so that's really what these sensors are designed to be is so instead of being thousands of dollars per point, these are, you know, like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars uh per point. And so the the cost is much, much, much lower because this is a screening sensor that is simply designed to give you an alarm and to tell you hey, the machine is good, keep going, no, no, no worry about it, or it's bad, we need to have somebody come in and do some further testing. So when you say that they're screening and that we are doing, you know, further testing, or that further testing, is that more advanced vibration or is that a different technology? Yes, yes, and yes. So uh, you're exactly right. So think of it as... We're going to screen and um, there is, it isn't just vibration screening. Um, you know, we're going to use um, electrical sensors and we're going to use thermal sensors and, um, you know, they're all going to be screening. And so, for example, we could be screening using vibration sensor and we might find out there's something wrong with this machine. And then we come in with a vibration analyzer um, because the first thing we want to do is we want to we want to screen out um, we don't want to analyze machines that are healthy that's the that's the largest waste of of resources is analyzing a healthy machine so the first thing we need to do is screen out which machines are good or bad and then if 20 percent of your machines uh, you know have a fault then we bring in somebody and they had them do a little further testing. And that further testing could be a vibration analyzer. And the vibration analyzer could say, hey, there's something wrong with this machine, but it's not a mechanical fault. It's not imbalance, misalignment, bearings, or looseness. It might be an electrical fault, for example, and then you would bring in an electrical tool. So the whole process here is, you know, let's screen out the most common things and then let's go in a little bit deeper when we need to instead of instead of spending a lot of time on just a few machines let's spend a lot less time on the majority of the machines in the plant and get the bigger bang from our bucks yeah and so for people who kind of are vibration somewhat experts out there what kind of data in terms of you know speed acceleration velocity whatever are you guys using on the screening sensors versus the whole vibration analyzer? That's a that's a good question. So, um, if you think about it, uh, a vibration expert is going to want to 
spend a long time setting up a machine point and that's because they're going to want a lot of really good high resolution data and they're going to spend you know a lot of time analyzing the data so here we're presenting with a thing of we we need to get a lot of information from a lot of machines in the shortest amount of time so instead of doing real so if you think about it from a medical standpoint uh, like a, a doctor takes an EKG, but before the doctor takes an EKG, the nurse is going to use some simple tests because we first, the nurse needs to screen out, you know, and get a good idea of wh where the problem is before the doctor deeps in, gets in a little bit deeper. So with these screening tools, it's like the, the nurse for the rotating machines, we're going to look for simple fast tests that we can do real quick because we also need to think about transferring a lot of data over the over wireless um you know if it if we're sending a uh, data like spectrum which is high resolution big packs of information number one is going to take a lot of bandwidth number two is going to take a lot of time number three it's going to take a lot of battery life and we don't want to be doing that so we're going to be taking simple tests using things like uh, overall vibration and where overall vibration, there's a lot of ISO standards been out there for 30 years that we can use the overall vibration on a frequency range of 10 to 1000 hertz, which is going to give us a good idea, again, is the machine good or bad? And if we don't see a lot of overall vibration in that frequency span, then we're going to say, hey, that machine is probably okay. Let's let's leave it alone and go on to a machine that has a high vibration. So we're using things like overall vibration and temperature. If you think about it like a nurse, a nurse checks your blood pressure, pulse, and temperature, and those three things are quick and easy. And those three things put together are going to give us a, a better idea of is the machine good or bad and should we do further testing. So we do the same thing on rotating machinery. We're going to use overall vibration and temperature of the machine as a quick go-no to say, hey, is this machine good or do we need to do further testing? Cool. Yeah, no, that's a, I like, I really like your health analogies on these ones. Um, so getting a little bit more into it. So you mentioned that you're taking these, these readings and I spoke to, um, you know, another company and they were selling a similar vibration sensor and they mentioned that this reading was happening every three hours. Is yours, is the fluke platform, is it continuous or is it every couple hours? Like what's that, what's that data look like? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. So um, it's collecting data like once a minute, um, and that's one thing to keep in mind is when you're thinking about condition monitoring of rotating machines, we really don't need to look at data every second because it's not a protection system. If you think about a a true continuous monitoring system. It's, it's real-time data on like a big turbine generator because a turbine generator can, can go from uh, being healthy to catastrophic failure in milliseconds, where most of the rotating machinery that we're using these economical screening sensors on are the balance of plant machines, motors, pumps, fans, compressors, and blowers. And when you think about it, a machine uh, will go from 
healthy to showing a slight uh, uh, problem to a moderate problem to a serious to an extreme over months. So, but the screening, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to screen, um, you know, monthly or, or even, uh, you know, even weekly, you know, we want to collect data a little bit more frequently than that. So these sensors are taking this overall vibration and temperature. Um, and again, it's, it's all a bandwidth with, you know, it's all a, a, you know, compromise, you know, what is the bandwidth? What is the data? What is the information? What is, uh, what is the time and what is the battery? And so to be able to get a, a three-year battery life uh, uh, out of these sensors, we're taking overall vibration and temperature, I think it's like every minute. And so you're getting quite a bit of data, even though it's not true continuous, it's probably more than we really need. Yeah, I mean, if we're we're looking at a traditional analysis, would be like once a month or once every quarter. Once a minute is is way better than that. That's right. Yes, and so that's one of the things a lot of customers say is, is this continuous? How often am I getting the data? And we say, you know, we could make this so you're getting data like every second. But if you did, it's not going to give you any more information than if you talk, you know, got one every few minutes. And, and plus a machine isn't going to, if it's not going to fail that fast anyway. So, yeah, so that's kind of uh, what we do is to be able to get a good battery life out of there. And if we get it every minute or two, um, you know, that's going to be fine. So, so I guess this leads me to the next kind of question is given that the data is reporting, you know, once a minute, how does the interpretation side work? Like, do you guys have statistical flags? Are you guys using machine learning? What, how does that platform look like? That's that, that's a good question because a lot of people figure that we're going to, uh, over time, develop a baseline and everybody's got in their mind this idea of, hey, this is going to be great because then I'm going to be able to select, uh, you know, trend this data over time and we're going to set up a baseline that's going to tell me when I have a problem. Well, the only problem with that idea is that would mean that do you know what's good for your machine and do you are you a vibration analyst and and do you know what high vibration is going to be and mo and the answer to most most times is no and so the customer thinks well then how am i going to you know what we don't want to have is we don't want to provide i call them data pumps so all you have is this sensor that's just giving you numbers and if that number doesn't mean anything then you know, having tons and tons of these numbers coming in quickly, you, you realize this, this is a waste of my time and you just turn the thing off, you know. So what we do is we take, uh, over the years, vibration experts have analyzed, you know, just about every type of machine around and has, has built, um, you know, uh, vibration um, levels of what a healthy machine is. So that's what we're using is we're just using industry standards of, what overall vibration level should be for typical healthy machines. So for example, I think in our database, we have 37 different machine categories, things like vertical pumps and horizontal pumps and uh, reciprocating uh, chill, uh, screw compressors and uh, uh, fans and belt driven fans. And so basically, we know what the overall vibration level is based on what vibration experts have found. And so 
instead of just giving taking a number every minute or so and 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 sending that number direct you know straight to the customer and having the, the customer have to figure out what that number means every minute we take that number we compare it to another screw compressor for example and then we're going to tell them whether it's good or bad to other screw compressors so that way out of the box they have something that's providing them an answer, not just per, not just giving them a number that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and that's really where I think a lot of people struggle these days with the you know with the IAOT is just what do all these numbers mean and how do I get like actionable intelligence out of it? That's exactly right because you know what I tell people is is it's like looking for the needle in the haystack you know and if if your needle is your is your is your answer is your is your information um, and uh, the data is the hay just piling more hay on that on that haystack isn't going to make finding that needle any easier so we really need to find and so that's how these sensors are designed is they're going to be looking at data, sending this data up, something's gonna, you know, our program is gonna filter out and say, nope, that's good, nope, that's good, nope, that's good. And it's like, oops, there's something wrong. And so you're gonna get a notification when there's a machine condition alarm. And, you know, that's much more important than just saying, hey, the vibration's higher than it was three months ago. What does that mean? Because if not, you would have to spend a lot of your time watching this machine and, and it's not something you're going to be able to learn in just a week or two you're going to, you'd have to watch a machine for months to be able to determine when it got into a fault condition and nobody has the time to go build those baselines on all their machines that's just too much work yeah it's it sounds like it's it's pretty simple and like the installation you know i watched a youtube video where the guy installs it in i don't know 3 minutes or something can you kind of walk us through that process? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you think about it, a vibration sensor um, is is really uh, the, the way to effectively get data. Uh, vibration from the rotating shaft on the inside transmits through the bearings, into the bearing housing, and into our sensor. So when people ask me, where do I mount the sensor? The answer is quite simple on the bearing housing but a little bit harder than that is that it needs to be on solid metal so we don't want to mount these because you want the vibration to transmit in from the solid metal of the bearing housing into the sensor so the sensor is mounted with an industrial epoxy and you're right it just takes a few minutes so what we do is we just uh, clean off the, the surface, but that's after you identify a good solid metal location. So we don't want to mount these sensors on on thin metal that isn't going to transmit vibration very well. Um, and so we're going to want to find a place on the solid metal of the of the bearing, and then we're going to clean off the bearing surface. And if we need to, maybe scrape off a little bit of uh, corrosion or paint because we want a good metal to metal contact. We use an industrial epoxy because that transmits the frequencies much better. And think of it as you know because we want to basically permanently mount this sensor onto the bearing of the machine, and that way it's continuously collecting data for us and then sending it up to the cloud. And then in terms of the, on the software side, we just have to identify this is the unit number, you know, a hundred and it's a vertical pump. 
That's correct. That's correct. So the setup is pretty fast and easy because uh, in the software, you're going to set up the asset. Uh, so first of all, you're probably going to set up, you know, the, the, the plant site, then you're going to set up the asset and then, and then it's going to ask, uh, do you, you know, how many of these uh, sensors are you going to put on a machine? And, and that all depends on the number of bearings of the machine and the size of the machine. So for example, if I've got a little tiny, small motor with a uh, driving uh, a pump and uh, you know, there's a, a coupling, you know, it might be so small that one sensor on the motor might be enough and one on the pump might be enough. But if I've got a large motor with a belt driven fan and, and it could be several feet between the two bearing housings, I need at least put one on each bearing because vibration transmits about 36 inches down a shaft. So if it's a small motor, I can get by with just having one location on the motor because the vibration from each motor bearing is going to transmit. And again, I don't want to, I don't have to analyze and know which bearing is bad on the motor. I just need to know, is the motor bad? Because when I come out and overhaul that motor, I'm going to replace both bearings anyway. Awesome. And, and I guess my last question, John, before we get you out of here is, you know, implementation is kind of where the rubber hits the road. I, like I talked about this a bunch of times with a bunch of different people is like, it doesn't matter how good the technology is. It doesn't matter how good, you know, RCM is or root cause analysis is, but it's really, once we get this stuff implemented, if we do it correctly, then we actually see positive benefit to our sites. How do we implement vibration sensors correctly? Yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the best answer is, um, you know, work with somebody that is going to be able to help you and kind of walk through, uh, for example, in, in the way that we work on it, you know, because I've been through the condition, the uh, certified maintenance reliability programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, we want to kind of look at it, do a criticality analysis and, and it's just a simple Excel spreadsheet. But, you know, think about some of these things. There are some simple tools out there that many uh, um, of these companies, you know, Fluke included, can help you with because, you know, what you want to look at your machines and first of all, figure out, hey, which ones are more my critical machines? You know, how do I want to set up, you know, because it might be a combination of, I might want to continue to do some run to failure on some of my less critical machines. I might want to do some PMs on some machines. Do I want to do uh, thermography or electrical or vibration sensors? Do I want to do portable or do I want to do um, wireless? You know, so so what we're what, what I'm saying is, you know, vibration um, wireless sensors isn't the only answer, you know? So you wanna, you wanna look at your, your assets and figure out which ones are gonna be best for vibration wireless, which ones might I need to use some portable? Because like we talked about, screening is great, but you know, it may not be cost effective to have um, a vibration analysis sensor on there. So we might want to use a portable tool for that. So it's, so that's why you need to get help from somebody that knows this whole process and how to, how to successfully 
implement a program, how to get the training they need, um, you know, and how to uh, to keep this going. Because I tell customers all the time is that reliability isn't a destination. Uh, it's a journey. You know, it's something that we need to keep working on all the time. And we don't want to let our guard down because as soon as we do, somebody will come in and say, hey, what's reliability done for me lately? Uh, let's get rid of it because they're not, they're not saving me money right now. So we, we always have to be documenting our saves. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm really glad you, you kind of talked about uh, criticality analysis and kind of understanding the equipment, understanding what failure modes we're trying to prevent and kind of understanding like RCM fundamentals, you know, like, are we going to do run to failure, preventative maintenance, predictive maintenance, all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, right, like all of this stuff is essentially it's a cost benefit analysis. And so if we understand all those things, then we can make the right decisions on our equipment. Yes, exactly right. Perfect. And John, so if anyone has any questions, you know, about either, you know, vibration analysis, the sensors or anything, can they, like, where, what's your contact info? Can they send you an email or, or, or give you a call? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, either they can go through our uh, um, um, Uh They can go through the fluke.com or, uh, you know, feel free to contact me. You know, I'm, uh, you know, john.burnett at fluke.com. So um, I can sure help whoever needs any help. Perfect. Yeah. And um, I guess on top of that, you know, are you going to be at any conferences? Is there any places you're going to be this year? Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm going to be at the uh, SMRP show in Orlando coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Society of Maintenance Reliability Professionals. I'm going to be at the IMVAC. Oh, I think they changed their name, but it used to be the maintenance vibration analysis conference. Now I think it's the condition-based maintenance uh, conference. That's also going to be in Orlando. That's uh, next month. So uh, um, I'm, you know, quite often I go to these uh, reliability shows. So yeah. And if anyone's at either of those, definitely stop by the fluke booth and say hello to John. Hey, thanks Rob. Perfect. So, you know, John, thanks for coming on and, and sharing your, your expertise with everyone. Um, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rob. It was my pleasure. And uh, yeah, so for anyone listening, um, if you have any you know questions, you can either email John or you can hit me up on LinkedIn or you can email me at robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Um, if you're interested in uh, anything that Fluke does, go to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash fluke that link will be in the podcast notes i definitely appreciate if you did that for me in terms of plugs i'll be at the international maintenance conference in december uh subscribe to rob's reliability project and rob's reliability tip of the day 